are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres. A little bit of a different mood this time, Bobby. Yeah, Dom, I mean, we were heartbroken after that serious sweep against the Brewers. Uh, obviously, we have faith in our team. I know that we wanted to, we even said, let's win one or two games. But guess what? We won three out of four against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Cannot be more happy. Super exciting series. Obviously, four games in L.A. Very as exciting as the three games in San Diego against LA, but wow, that was absolutely insane. That game on Sunday was the best and they were all, they were all amazing except for one of them. Um, I mean, still good. Of course we won six to one, but that was the only game that wasn't one run in the series. Uh, and if we won that game, but Dom, what a great series thrillers, a heartbreaker on Saturday, but what a phenomenal series and so fun to watch for Padres fans and all, and all of baseball. Right. I mean, all seven games of this series have been incredible. And the Padres did win one of the games six to one, but that game was three to one entering the ninth inning. So, I mean, the Padres really opened that game up later. And I mean, it's just these games have been fantastic. And the Padres have been on the right side of, you know, a couple of them, more than a couple of them. They're currently leading this series, which, you know, it's pretty incredible considering what the Dodgers have done to the Padres last year. And, you know, just as long as we've been fans of this team and it's going to, it's going to hopefully continue to get better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was, it was, I was scared. I mean, of course, so were Dodgers fans, but inches away from any ball being a ball to end the game, a ball to being a batter to walk it off for the Dodgers. But it was just, we had pitchers hitting, we had, run scoring my friends had the over and it was just so exciting to watch yes your friends did have the over i actually watched this fourth game with a friend of mine who was a dodgers fan and uh you know i I was trying to not make too big of a fool of myself but i i walked down there i watched the first half of the game at my place and i walked down there and i immediately opened the door and sheldon noisy hit the home run to make it three to one and i just immediately got berated and at that point, I'm like, ah, I should I just go back? And then a couple more runs get driven in the seeker ground ball up the middle. Then the Chris Taylor three run home run. And I'm like, ah, you're kidding me. But the Padres got it done. And we'll talk about that game in a little bit. But I mean, just like this is the Padres first series win against the Dodgers since July of 2019, since 4th of July weekend. And I mean, what, what does a series win mean to the Padres who just got swept by the Brewers? I mean, of course, it just gives them more momentum, gives them energy. And the and that, this is exactly what we were saying in the last episode. We just need to come to the series with the energy, intensity. And that's exactly what they did, taking three out of four. But this will, for, from, for this week and for the next series against the D-backs, which we'll get to shortly, I mean, we'll, we'll just have more intensity knowing that we just won a huge series against the best team in baseball. Just You, you could see the guys smiling once we came back, once we went up. Snell and Tatis were had huge smiles on their face. And it was just fun to see that knowing that the guys in the, the dugout are happy enjoying the game. Of course, that's, that's what they do, but it was just, again, say, saying this again, it was just so fun to watch and this should give them a lot of momentum going forward. Right. I mean, this is just a huge series. And I mean, Sunday night was just a monumental win considering 
what the Potters were facing at that point. But let's talk about these games individually. Game one, Potters jump out on top, three to two. Uh, Tatis uh, drove in the go-ahead run in the eighth inning after the Dodgers rallied back with two home runs in the seventh inning to tie it up. Phenomenal game here. Uh, what else did you notice at this game? Uh, I mean, I never thought I'd be cheering for Tatis double play. I look at my roommate and I say, Tatis just hit into a double play. And he's like, well, why is that good? I'm like, we got the lead. Um, but I mean, just the pitching in this game is awesome. Ryan Weathers, who we've been talking about, he's just so fun to watch. He went five and two thirds, six Ks, no runs, no one runs and one hits, but he's just so, so young going against this Dodgers lineup where he started his career against uh, in the playoffs last year, but just amazing performance from him. Pagan kind of got hit hard. Of course, Melanson came in, struck out three to get the save as he went seven for seven in that game on save situations on the year. Tim Hill looked good having an eight pitch inning, uh, but it was just such a such a fun game to watch. Yeah, and you mentioned Brian Weathers. The dude's a stud. It's five and two-thirds scoreless here, and he's now pitched over 10 innings against the Dodgers and is yet to allow a run. And, I mean, you just think about all the good pitchers the Potters have had over the years. They get crushed by the Dodgers, and Brian Weathers is a rookie, makes his first two career starts against this Dodgers team, and has just been incredible. It was either three and a third or four and a third against the Dodgers in the first round. I think it was four and a third. So if that's the case, he's up to 11 and a third scoreless innings against the Dodgers. And that's just incredible. I mean, the poise that he shows and the fact that he's up in the majors doing this kind of stuff is just astounding. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for him as a Padre. So he he was incredible. And then, yeah, you mentioned Pagan. He got roughed up. That's why I was really concerned when Pagan came in in game four after sitting out games two and three. But you know, Pagan, it's either good or bad for him. And for the most part this year, it's been really good. This game was just not the case that happens. But one thing I want to talk about from this game is that something we hadn't seen all year. That was Fernando Tatis Jr. batting leadoff. And we saw it for the rest of the series. And the first game didn't really do much. He went one for four, did drive in that that uh, that that run on a double play. And you mentioned it was an RBI. It is not. It is not an RBI, according to the Major League Rules of Baseball. A ground ball double play is not an RBI. So it was not an RBI, but run scored. That's really all that matters. Just wanted to clarify there, but he was batting leadoff for the first time this year. And that was something we saw in 2019, beginning of 2020. And then the Potters went away for it. And the latter half of the 2020 season, the Potters offense was significantly more productive with him batting second. But to start this year, he wasn't doing good outside the leadoff spot. He gets put in the leadoff spot in this series, which of course we'll talk about in a little bit was a historic series for him. So what do you make of that, both for him and for the lineup? Yeah, I mean, of course, we've talked about him at the leadoff spot. I like, like I've love seeing leadoff home runs, love seeing, love seeing him start off the game. But I, I know he also rakes in the leadoff spot, but I would like to see him at the two spot, honestly. Um, I know he crushes the ball. He does great in the leadoff spot, but I'd love to see him get up to bat with possibly Trent Grisham on base or Cronenworth or Pham mostly will be Grisham if he's leading off. Um, but I mean, this will just give him so much more confidence. I mean, he struggled early in the year. Of course he had the injury, um, but it was just so energetic, the series. And he had fun, had fun on Twitter with Bauer um, and Bauer. Of course we talked about his, uh, about Tatisa celebrations and Bauer said he loves to see it. It's good for baseball. And Bauer can be kind of uh, hit or miss with a lot of fans, but it was just fun to watch. And uh, I mean, 
this will just give Tatis a lot more confidence going forward. I'm sorry. I just said that of course, but um, just, he needed this, he needed a good series and he totally delivered on the big stage or on the big stage on a weekend against the Dodgers and on national television. Yeah. I, I think it's good for Tatis because he is a statistically better hitter out of the leadoff spot. But I mean, the Potter's offense is just so much more productive with him batting second with Christian getting on base in front of him or whoever's batting leadoff. And I mean, you saw it all five of his home runs. This series were solo home runs. People aren't getting on base in front of him. And I think him batting leadoff with the pitcher in front of him is especially worse. Cause that's one less guy you can have on in front of him. And, but you know, if he's going to continue at home runs, it's going to be hard to say, push him out of the leadoff spot. But, uh, I've always been a Tatis should not be the Padres leadoff batter. I've always been in that crowd and I'm not going to let one series change that. Now we'll see. I mean, I'm more than happy to change my opinion on the subject because at the end of the day, if, uh, if that could happen, that'll be cool. But I, I just, I just don't know. I it's, it's hard to say because the offense is so much better with runners on in front of them. But at the same time, He's not better with runners on base. He's he's struggled with runners on base this year, as the entire team has. So before I go to game two, and that's a tough decision for Tingler. I mean, once he's raking in the leadoff spot, it's, it, like you said, it's hard to just move him down. Um, and he'll get. I mean, you can't. I don't say it's a win-win situation, but in the leadoff spot, you leave him where he's hot, or you move him down. And if anything changes, I mean, it's Fernando Tatis. I mean, he'll do it. He'll do it to uh, to what Fernando Tatis does. But that's it. That'll be tough. Just. Tough decision for Tingler coming up, if necessary. Right. Yeah, I mean, managing talent's not easy, and Jace Tingler has had his fair share of, you know, criticisms for how he manages the lineup, how he manages the bullpen, especially the bullpen. But I think he's a great manager, and I think he's one of the best in the league already. And he's only managed just over 80 games in his major league career. So he, as, as time goes on, he's going to get better, and hopefully those decisions will become a little bit easier for him. Game two now, Potters ended up winning this game 6-1. to one. The Dodgers started off strong against U Darvish, but after that, U Darvish, seven innings, one earned run, three strikeouts, was absolutely lethal, only allowing four hits, did end up blocking three batters. Once again, pitches into the seventh inning. That's something that Potters pitchers don't do. That's why U Darvish is incredible, and that's why he's the ace of this team. Now, Ryan Weathers is trying to say something about that, but uh, I don't think Ryan Weathers is going to get to that point yet. But... Potters immediately responded. Will Myers had a home run. And then Tatis Jr. in the third and the fifth inning, he hit a home run to put the Dodger, to put the Potters above the Dodgers. And at that point, they didn't look back. In the ninth inning, Potters ended up scoring three runs. So they ended up putting that game away against Dennis Santana, who, of course, blew the game in game three against the Potters in the first series. So they got him again. What did you make of this game? As, as the Potters were able to beat Kershaw, which, as we all know, doesn't happen. It happened last year, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I mean, as you said, this game was just so good all around. We scored six runs, held the Dodgers to one. Like you said, Darvish going seven innings is huge, especially go- with a with a week like two more games coming up. I mean, we got to rest our bullpen, and that's exactly what Darvish did for us: nine Ks, seven innings, and of course, you talk- you already talked about it. But the T's two home runs off Kershaw, ESPN recorded them as. 431 feet and 419 feet. Those were absolute bombs. And second inning, you, you already mentioned it again. We love to see Will Power tying the game with his home run. Uh, and one of my favorites, Tommy Pham, getting the RBI single. That was great to see. We tacked on three runs in the ninth, um, entering the ninth with a 3-1 lead. So that was just a lot more cushion for 
whatever pitcher came up in this circumstance is Nick Ramirez. But I know we did talk about Nick Ramirez. Uh, he did have a rough, very rough outing on Sunday, but on on Friday, he went one inning, one K, five pitches, and that's just as good as you can get. Five five pitches with a strikeout, that's a per- great inning. That's perfect inning. Um, but, yeah, the, this game all around just was phenomenal. Darvish was great. Pomerantz, Nick Ramirez were great. And the offense was on. It's not tough to score six runs in a game where Kershaw's starting. Um, of course, we did get on three of those runs off the bullpen, but three runs off Kershaw, seven innings, I mean – a lot of the times the Dodgers will score more than three runs, but Dodgers absolutely shut them down. So did Pomerantz and Ramirez. And this was just, again, saying this just a great, phenomenal all around grand all around game to watch. Right. And that's why Nick Ramirez, when we talk about this in a little bit later, he's not going to be my wildcat of the week, but uh, he had a great outing and he looks like a talented young lefty. That changeup looked really good. Unfortunately, it wasn't located very well in game four, but you know, five pitches in one inning against the Dodgers. You can't really do much better. So definitely looking forward to see what he's going to continue to do for the Padres. You got anything else about game two or should we move on to game three? Um, I mean, just same thing again. Of course, we talked about Tatis. He went three for five this game, three RBIs. Even when he was hitting home runs, he was getting guys on um, and or guys in. So that was just great to see right there. And, and on to game three, the one loss of the series. Yep, you just mentioned it. The one loss of the series, the Padres were winning this game 3-2, to two, entering the sixth inning before the Padres ended up blowing it. Pierce Johnson did not have a very good game, and he's still, like like I mentioned, still a good reliever, but he was just not very good, and it sucked for him. But in this game, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit two more home runs, both off Trevor Bauer. He became the first player ever to hit two home runs in back-to-back games against Cy Young Award pitchers. So uh, I think that that is certainly impressive, even though this game was lost by the Padres. But uh, Trent Grisham ended up getting the golden sombrero, and that, that of course, is unfortunate, but that's not indicative of who he is as a player. But Padres played great. Blake Snell pulled at 87 pitches, could have gone a little further, but Jace Tingler opted to, to pull him. Only five innings. And a third out of him, Blake Snell's got to find a way to get a little deeper into games because he's been effective when he's out there, 3.92 ERA. But um, he's uh, he's not uh, getting deep into games, and the bullpen gets a little taxed. And uh, Blake Pierce Johnson immediately uh, got bit right after uh, the bullpen got into the game there. What else do you want to say? Five runs, 12 hits for the Dodgers. You already mentioned it. Grisham had the had the golden sombrero. Machado went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. He did have a rough game as well. Uh, Tatis, 2 for 5 with two runs. Hosmer, 2 for 4. Uh, so we were we had eight hits. We just couldn't produce with that. Uh, 2 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Not awful, but not very good. Grisham was 0 for 2 with guys on. He, uh, as mentioned, had a very rough game. Uh, but Snell, I mean, did get pulled somewhat early during the six. But seven hits, two walks, and... Less than six innings is not the best start. And Pierce Johnson, who I'm a big fan of, I know you are too. He's kind of having, he's struggling this year, but yeah, he just had a rough appearance. Uh, but this Dodgers lineup was just, was on uh, Bauer, six innings, two earned runs, nine Ks. I mean, it's Trevor Bauer, he had a great game. Um, but just all around is great game to watch. We had Jorge Mateo, uh, I believe is Mateo, 
90 feet from tying the game uh, in the ninth, and we couldn't pull through and tie the game. But another exciting game to watch, and it just shows how close we were to sweeping the series. I mean, that's how even that last series where we lost two to one uh, last weekend, but it just shows how close all these games are, how close these two teams are. Uh, Padres had the upper hand this weekend, but just every single game is so exciting, so fun to watch. Yeah, it's been really exciting. Pierce Johnson was off to a really good start going into this game. He had four and a third innings, only allowing one earned run, and then it just all fell apart in this game. Now to an A3-1 ERA. So, you know, as relievers, your your sample size is really small in one bad outing like this where you don't record a single out, you give up three hits and three earned runs, your ERA is going to get uh, – get, get, get nailed a bit. And that's exactly what happened. But yeah, I mean, you, you aren't going to beat the reigning NL Sang award winner in back-to-back outings very often. The Potters were very close to doing it. If it wasn't for Pierce Johnson coming in and allowing three end runs and Tim Hill uh, did, uh, did his job kind of clean up the situation. He came in and threw some strikes, but I mean, uh, another good game. Like it's a game where you're like, ah, dang, the Potters could have won it. And like you mentioned to teach we runner stranded on, on third with uh, with two outs to end the game. So it was really close, but uh, Potters just couldn't get the hit when it mattered most in the eighth and the ninth inning, and they strained more runners in the eighth. So runners in scoring position continues to be a problem, and I it needs to it needs to get fixed because I mean the Padres they are thirteen and eleven, but at the same time, it's going to be really hard to stay above five hundred if you struggle to hit with runners in scoring position for the entire year. Now, are the Padres equipped to handle that considering the pitching staff? Absolutely. But you don't want to put that amount of stress on the Padres. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a problem for the Padres going forward, I think, but uh, the sooner they can get over it, I think that the Padres can reach their ceiling. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about game four Sunday night baseball. I mean, this was just such an awesome game. I mean, I, I don't know how much else I can really say about it. The Dodgers, they, they kind of got to Joe Musgrove a bit, not an allowing a ton of hits, but uh, there was an unearned run of course in there or no, it wasn't ruled an unearned run, but Tatis made an error and then they ended up scoring a run with uh that wouldn't have scored if there wasn't the error. So I, I don't know about that, but Musgrove, I mean, there's 77 pitches in three innings. He was not efficient. And that's what the Dodgers do. I want to give credit to the Dodgers for making Musgrove look inefficient because they take long and very hard at bats and they were not chasing the sliders and the cutters and the curveballs and the fastballs that were in spots that would have made you chase like other teams had been against Joe Musgrove. And now the Dodgers are a significantly better team than the Diamondbacks, than the Pirates, than the Rangers, than the Brewers, his four previous starts. So this of course was, you know, this might be a little bit of a wake up call. Like maybe Joe Musgrove against those kind of teams isn't going to be able to throw as many pitches out of the strike zone, but the Dodgers did a great job against him, making him throw a lot of pitches, chased him after three. Then Craig Stammen came in. I thought he was going to surrender some runs in that fifth inning, but he didn't. And then Nick Ramirez comes in, and he uh, he struggled, to say the least. He, he did not look good. He had about five hits and five earned runs. It was really hard to watch, to be completely honest. But Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a home run in the fourth inning, and immediately after Nick Ramirez allowed five earned runs, the Padres responded with two runs in each the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth innings. And I, I don't think I've seen a fight in any Padres game 
or anything like that in my time watching the Padres. And the stat that I saw during the broadcast was nuts. And it was like the Padres were one in their last like 160 against the Dodgers when trailing by six. And they were able to come back. And not only did they do that, but they did that on national television. And it was just incredible. And I, I couldn't believe it when they came back. And watching it with the Dodgers fan made it even better. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things was, I mean, we'll get to we'll get to in a sec, but mid of the ninth inning, of course, Tatis had that two-strike single uh, to advance Caratini in second, down 7-5 with one out. Uh, and then first pitch for Grisham, single, bases loaded. Ne- next to that bat, first pitch to Manny, single to tie the game. And that was just awesome to watch. Um, and just w- one thing I just loved about this game was, I mean, in the 11th, when we got our go-ahead run, uh, of course, we started the guy in second, who was Tatis. Uh, Grisham got walked. And then the double steal was just huge. That's what won the game. Uh, it avoided or it avoided a possible double play. It got the go-ahead run into sack fly position. And that's exactly what Hosmer did. Sack, sack fly to center and got Tatis in. And that's all we needed to do. That's all you need to do in extra innings. I know it's not easy. We're not in the MLB players. Sometimes they can't do it. I can't do it. So can't complain, but it's just, that's all you need to do. Just get a guy over double steal sack fly. There's the room that you need, but that was just awesome to see right there. Um, and like, like you said earlier about Stemmon, I mean, he had a great outing, two innings, no hits, of course, no runs, three Ks. He looked great. Nick Ramirez. Don't need to talk much about that. You already got it. One inning, five runs. I mean, I was sitting there on my couch, very, very sad, very depressed, but I mean, I knew the game wasn't over. We've seen what these guys did last year, which we've mentioned a lot. Most comeback wins in the league, 23 wins out of our 37 last season were comeback. So, I mean, of course, with this team, game's never over. They showed so much fight this game. Um, and, of course, we got Melanson, who came in with the save. Kind of got scary. He had 22 pitches. Uh, but Melanson's now 8 for 8 in save opportunities this year. Uh, so that was just amazing game right there. Uh, and we saw Weathers hit. We saw Kershaw hit. And Kershaw walked it off. You tweeted about that. Uh, just- it's just it just would have encapsulated everything that's gone down in the past decade between the Potters and the Dodgers. Like the Potters are right there and the Dodgers, they, they find a way to snatch it away every single time. And I, the Dodgers more often than not beat the Potters. We're not idiots. We, we know that. And more often than not, they win by multiple runs and they, you know, they normally beat down the Potters, but they also have their fair share of, you know, snatching victories away from the Potters. And if Clayton Kershaw would have walked it off, that, that would have been something else. I probably would have cried. Um, not just, why but i mean we all know kershaw's a great hitter um i mean going into that bat he had a 261 career batting average this year i mean not a lot of uh of at bats he's in 375 this year i mean that was very interesting seeing dave roberts do that and of course it was the right move i mean they'd known us off the bench uh i honestly thought if we had gone further into the game past the 11th could have seen cronenworth out there because it's not like he's just a position player pitching out there we saw him strike out mookie he pitched in the minors um, obviously never w- did not want it to go to the 12th after we had the lead, but I, we could have expected to see Cronenworth out there. I don't know if we, they would have kept him Melanson for too long, if necessary, obviously don't, don't need to talk about that. Didn't get there, but Cronenworth in that situation would have been, would have been cool to see. It definitely would have been, but the parties didn't have anyone on their bench. So I don't know what they would have done out there yeah. in the field. Uh, because what, what they did in the first game, they brought Musgrove in to play left field, but Musgrove had already been used since he started that game. So that would have been a possibility, but I don't know what the Potters would have done in that situation per se. Who knows who would have gone into the outfield or whatnot? Because I'm sure Mateo would have gone in and played second base or even Profar. So 
there were options there, but I uh, found a couple of stats. Uh, none are related. None are Padres Dodgers related, like the one I was talking about. So I can't exactly give that one confirmed. But uh, according to Sean Don or at SM Dolan, I, I can't back these up, but I'm just going to say them, and I'm going to credit the person. So they're wrong if I if I say it. So do not say, "Wow, Dom, you were wrong." I'm just I'm giving credit to these people. When down by six in the seventh or later, teams have won 101 times. And teams have lost 13,547 times. And teams that were down by six runs at any point in the game have a 0.007 winning percentage. And the last team to win down by six in the seventh inning or later at Dodger Stadium was the Phillies, August 21st, 1990. So a historic win. This isn't just like me being a Padres fan. And saying like, oh, this is a historic win for our franchise and whatnot. This is a historic win. This does not happen in Major League Baseball. And the Potters did it on national television as the proclaimed little brothers of the Dodgers. And you know what? They have been historically. They are. I mean, there's no denying that. And especially over the past decade when the Dodgers have just had a historic run winning eight straight division titles. But the Potters made history tonight. And they made it on Sunday Night Baseball. When all of America could watch, there was no blackout. If you had cable, you had anything, you could watch this game. You didn't need to buy a $100 MLB TV subscription. You could watch this game anywhere in the country. And the fact that the Potters were able to do that in this game, I think is incredible. And I mean, that is just, it was such an awesome game. And it was, I, you know, all my friends were like, wow, Dom, Potters are done. I'm surprised you're not that shocked. I'm like, hey, you know, so it's a game in April, but. It is a game in April, but it's a historic win. And yes, job not finished, as the great Kobe Bryant would say. I'm sure I'm sure Kobe is, uh, you know, rip Kobe and all. I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm sure Kobe is not happy with the Dodgers right now because there are there are lots of photos of him at Dodgers Stadium celebrating Dodgers games, and including some in a Manny Machado uniform. He loved Manny Machado. So all the Dodgers fans that hate Manny, remember, Kobe loved Manny. And I'm sure Kobe, with his, with his what's there to be happy about? Job not finished. Uh, quote, when the Lakers were up too well. I don't know what series it was, but it's an iconic quote. And I'm sure looking at the Dodgers leading by six in the seventh inning, what's there to be happy about? Job not finished. And the Dodgers, they did not finish the job, and the Padres did. And, um, I mean, I know it wasn't 2-0, but it was 7-1. They must have gotten happy. I mean, job not finished. But, yeah, I mean, like you said about the that insane stat, I mean, uh, before tonight – or before Sunday night's win, uh, it was 113,000 and something. And either A-Rod or Vaskersian who said, look at that win percentage, 007.007. And that was insane to see that win percentage. Obviously, that won't happen a lot when down by six plus going into the seventh. But one of my favorite things from tonight, I mean, not favorites, but Max Muncy had five walks. Like, obviously, you're... Like, I don't want to be like, go up there and swing the bat. You take your base. We're out. We're also weren't getting them pitches, but um, of course, you know, our boy Dylan, he called it a uh, uh, five walks. I think he called that a uh, platinum gold hat or a platinum top hat was my favorite of the night. It went from silver to gold, his fifth walk, a platinum gold, uh, sorry, a platinum top hat. So I'm going to go by that from now on. And uh, that was just one of my favorite things from the game in a game like this. That was just one of the funniest things I heard. Um, but yeah, Muncie with the platinum top hat. Yeah, it was. And uh, I remember ta- I was talking with my daughter's friend. And he, he's he's a he's a smart baseball fan. And he's just like, man, Muncie, like he doesn't always get the hits. The batting average isn't always there. 
But man, is he such a disciplined player. But yeah, Max Muncy, very disciplined player. Certainly a player who was haunted the Padres and uh, against a Padres pitching staff that wasn't always in the zone uh, on Sunday night. He certainly took advantage walking five times, which is incredible. His his OBP is almost as high as his slugging, which yeah. is astounding considering that his slugging percentage is 455. Like that's no joke of a slugging percentage, but a 449 OBP leads the team with a team that has Justin Turner, who's so he's been so good this year. Team that has Corey Seager, a guy who great gets on base at a very high rate. Mookie Betts, the second best player in baseball. And I mean, Cody Bellinger, he's not there right now, but uh, I mean, that's a talented team. And Max Muncy's great player. And he walked five times. We're, we're too, doing too much Dodger loving, but you mentioned it five walks, very impressive feat. And we've shot that out. You got anything else to talk about this game? Uh, I mean, just one of the biggest parts of the game. I mean, each team struck out 16 times. Padres walked six times. Dodgers walked nine times. Uh, but just a lot of strikeouts in this game. Obviously, went to extra innings. There will be more then. But Mookie Betts with two strikeouts tonight went one for seven. Um, and that was just, I mean, that was huge right there. Because it was scary seeing Mookie Betts come up every time. And the Dodgers, we didn't really talk about this that much. They were just awful with the bases loaded tonight with runners in scoring position. They stranded. 18 guys on base, three for 17th runners in scoring position. And with the bases loaded, that was just awful right there. Um, and you just want to see that from this team a lot. And we took advantage of it, um, took them to extras, got the runs we needed to. But just a lot of times, just clutch pitching. When they had the bases loaded, I think, four times. Uh, but, I mean, one of, the, one of the best parts, Tatis scored half of our runs. He had two hits, two walks. And every time he got on, he was able to just get around and score. Um and because obviously each run matters. I mean, we talked about Mateo earlier. I don't know if this is an RBI. I don't think with the fielder's choice, but um, he grounded into a fielder's choice in the eighth inning, and that gave us gave us our fifth run. And in a game like this, every run matters. So good to see that from Mateo. At least getting a run in. Yeah. All right. That that's going to wrap up the series recap. Let's now move in to our Devil and Wildcat of the week. Bobby and I we're going to give our Devil and Wildcat of the week, and then we're going to hop into our series preview. So, Bobby, we're going to start with you because last time I gave my Devil of the Week, you're going to give your Devil of the Week. And for those of you who don't know, Devil of the Week is like, you know, are a really good player who had a really astounding weekend. If you watched any of this past series, you're going to have a pretty good guess of who it's going to be, I imagine. But because this is a Devils podcast, Bobby and I both go to Arizona State and we are the Sun Devils. And then I will give my Wildcat of the Week, which is uh, a player who struggled for the Potters this week. And, you know, what they could do to get better so that way they don't struggle next week and whatnot. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we don't just want to bash on our own players. But uh, if this player struggled, they deserve to get pointed out for it. And uh, I'll point out what they can do because the Wildcats of Arizona, they suck. But, Bobby, who is your Devil of the Week? Uh, So my Devil of the Week, no surprise here. So from the last seven games, the four games against the Dodgers and the three against the Brewers, none other than Fernando Tatis Jr. Nando. Bebo, El Nino. Uh, so, of course, not a, hard, not a hot take right there. His last three games against the Dodgers, five home runs and 11 at-bats uh, in that span. But he had game two on, set, on Friday, two home runs. Next day, two home runs. Next day, one home run. And on Sunday, uh, he had two steals in that game. But he's currently on a six-game hitting streak, had multi-hit games th- of the last three games against the Dodgers, and he just been so hot and – course against the Dodgers makes it even better I love seeing him using Bauer celebrations when he hit the home run he covered his eye he then did the Bauer McGregor walk after he, the next one but 
I just love seeing the energy from him. I love seeing the tweet of uh, he holding a child or his child putting Bauer's face on it. So because of his hot streak against the Dodgers and the six-game hitting streak, multi-home run games, uh, El Nino is my uh, devil of the week. Yep, that was a pretty easy choice for you. Uh, His OPS plus going into the series, I believe, was like 60. And now it's well over 100, like near 150. So, I mean, I feel like that says enough about it. He didn't do great against the Brewers, but he hit the ball really hard. And he also got a couple more hits than what he was doing. Certainly had a better series than what he did against the Diamondbacks in the opening series and the first game against the Giants before he went down. But yeah, easy choice. I definitely agree. My Wildcat of the week. I had a couple of choices because, you know, the Potters did get swept uh, during this past week. And not all the entire offense had a great week. Uh, Nick Ramirez was certainly a guy I could have gone from, but that was just one game. And I felt like that was kind of unfair. So I'm not going to go with that. But I'm actually going to go with Jorge Mateo. He was a player who got off to a really good start. At one point, was hitting well over 300. And then uh, midway through the season, he was hitting over 300. Had an OPS, you know, right around 800, 900. He was doing well, but he, he struggled at the plate, to say the least. Uh, he got one hit this past week, but ever since he got a hit against the San Francisco Giants on April 7th, he only has one hit since then, of course, against the Brewers. Just really struggled, including an 0 for 3 performance off the bench for the Padres. Just hasn't been great. And, you know, he's still a good player. I still believe that he can be a valuable player for the Padres, but. Sorry, he went 0 for 4 uh, in this game. So he struggled, and statistically, he's now down to a 192 hitter with a 300 OBP. And if you're a player with Mateo speed, you got to find a way to get on base a little bit more. He doesn't have to slug the ball. He's got to get singles, uh, put the pressure on the pitchers to make good pitches with you uh, on the base path. So he is my wildcat of the week, and he just kind of needs to gain some confidence at the plate. I would have liked to see him get some more playing time, but now that he's really struggling, I don't think that's feasible at all. His stats on the year are still better than Tommy Pham minus OBP, but he's uh, he's come down significantly from where he was at the beginning of the season and after a really good spring. Yeah, I like that that pick with Mateo. Of course, you introduced me to the hip hip Jorge chant. Every time he's up, that goes that chants through my house. We don't know the uh, severity or if fam will be out at all. Uh, and of course there's options. We could have pro farm left. We could have Mateo somewhere in the outfield. We could have, we have Brian O'Grady at the alternate site, but yeah, I would love to see Mateo just get on base more, like you said, and he, he won't hit the ball hard, but if we, if he can start to draw walks, get more, uh, get more uh, disciplined at the plate, getting him on base will just be lethal because of course he's the fastest guy on the team, super fast base runner, super fast on the bases in the outfield. Yeah, we should get him on base more, and that, that will just lead to more runs. Right, and he's a uh, he's a candidate that uh, that could be DFA'd if anything happens because Mateo doesn't have any options. So the only way he can get sent down to the minor leagues for the Padres is if uh, is if he clears waivers and no one claims him. And I can guarantee you, some team would definitely claim Mateo, and definitely that uh, you know a team that's not in winning position right now. The team could use a speedy guy on the bench. He has a plus bat, you know, potentially, but uh, he's not going to get DFA'd in any time soon, especially if fam's hurt. But, uh, you know, if, if O'Grady continues to play well, if he's the guy who gets called up or even to Capito Marcano, 
And when Fam's hurt, you never know. Mateo could be gone because those guys have options and Mateo does not. So that, that's an interesting situation, but that's of course something that will be resolved down the line. So he's got he's got to find a way to uh to figure it out. So let's move into our series preview now. Coming two game series with the Diamondbacks, a little short two gamer, but it's still worth previewing because you never know. We want to make sure the Potters fans know exactly what's going to go on in this series. So it's a two game series. The Potters do get the day off Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, unfortunately there is no Potters baseball. But concerning the fact that the Potters had just played on 17 straight days. They need the day off, and I think a lot of Padres fans also need the day off after that five-hour game Sunday night. So two games in Arizona. First game will be Chris Paddock versus Merrill Kelly, and game two will be Ryan Weathers versus Taylor Widener. This will be Ryan Weathers' first career start, not against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So who knows? Might be a little bit different. But, Bobby, uh, what do you make of those two pitching matchups? Yeah, I mean, they both really intrigue me. I mean, we're at the back of the back of our rotation right now. Uh, of course, Paddock, his last two games, he's only had one earned run. Uh, ten innings, eight runs. Only two of those combined were earned. So he's been pitching fine. Uh, his last game against the Brewers, obviously, we lost 6-0. He didn't have any any help offensively and just nothing on the defense either. But if, if we can get Paddock, obviously, uh, we will both be there. Uh, you'll be in your Paddock hat. I will not be because I left it at home. Not thinking I'd need it. Um, but I mean, we'll be there for paddock day and I just can't wait to see our boys back on the field. But, um, I mean, Merrill Kelly's really been struggling this year with a 7.71 ERA, 1.57 whip, and he's just getting, been getting hit around hard. His last start, probably his best of the season where he only, where he allowed, I don't say only, but five innings, three runs on five hits. Um, so that was his better start of the season, allowing six in his two, previous two, um, respectively. Um, but yeah, I mean Merrill Kelly's not been looking good, and we should, our offense with more momentum after this series, after the Dodgers series, they should be hungry to just get more hits. And against Kelly, they should be able to. But yeah, Ryan Weathers has really impressed me this year. I can't wait to see him pitch in person. But fifteen innings, one earned run the entire season, four hits allowed. I mean, I just I'm loving this kid so far with a .59 ERA, .59 WHIP, and he's just been so fun to watch. Um, and he, of course, we all know how young he is. He's 21. Um, but he's just been so fun to watch. Um, and again, t- Taylor Widener, who's been pitching better this year. Uh, he's had a rough outing. He's kind of been inconsistent. He's either going six inning shutouts or he's allowing three or four runs. But Widener's a little inconsistent, but we all know how good our, par- our Padres lineup is. We should be able to take both of these starting pitchers. Right. And just a couple of notes. I mean, Merrill Kelly, you mentioned he's not off to a great start. Had an okay start against the Padres earlier on this year. And against the Padres, it's a team that he's had success against in 43 innings, which is the most innings against an opposing team in his very short career right now. He has a 3.12 ERA. So he's had the Padres number, and we'll see if he can continue that trend. But also going up against him is Chris Paddock, who has had the Arizona Diamondbacks number, uh, to say the least. His 32 innings against the Diamondbacks are also the most of any team in his career. And he has a 1.95 ERA against them. He's only allowed seven earned runs. Three of them came in his last outing. All were solo home runs. So that'll be interesting to note for sure. But yeah, Taylor Widener, he uh, he's been he's been good this year. And you mentioned the the rough outing he's coming off of, but uh, still at a 2.82 ERA. So I think that mentions uh, how well he's pitched this season. The Diamondbacks, they're 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 actually playing really good baseball right now, and they're coming off. 
of a very strong series against the Braves in which they took two out of three. And as everyone knows, the Braves are one of the best teams in terms of talent in baseball. Haven't been playing well, but they just swept the doubleheader against the Braves in which they allowed one hit combined in the two games. And that one hit was allowed by Zach Allen. The Padres luckily avoid Zach Allen for the second series. I can't imagine they'll get that fortunate the rest of the year. Uh, but if it makes anything better for Diamondbacks fans is that Madison Bumgarner will avoid the Padres. And uh, Bumgarner has lost every single start as a Diamondback against the Padres. So uh, the Padres catch a break by avoiding Gallon, but at the same time, they also don't catch a break. Or, sorry, they don't catch a break by avoiding Bumgarner, but they catch a break by avoiding Gallon. So it evens out. But yeah, the Diamondbacks, they've won six of their last seven. So they're playing really good baseball right now. They're all of a sudden above 500. And Bobby, you and I were just talking about it. This division that was expected, you know, be really top two heavy and the other three teams be at or below 500 on the year. It hasn't been that way. Uh, three teams are above 500. The Diamondbacks are at 500 and the Rockies are eight and 13. They've played the Dodgers seven times and they have a positive run differential. All teams in this division have a positive run differential. So Diamondbacks playing really good baseball as of late winning seven of their last 10. It's going to be up to the Padres to slow them down. And, um, and like you said, of course, Gallon Bumgarner, Bumgarner had the uh, unofficial, uh, will not count, no hitter. Uh, and Gallon, of course, I'm just glad that we can avoid him. Bumgarner, I would have loved to see. But, I mean, yeah, they've been hot. They've, as you said, they've won six of their last seven, seven of their last 10, and they're back to 500. Um, so, I mean, we can't take it for granted, of course, like any other team. And, of course, they're playing hot baseball. So, this will be, I mean, short two-game series, but... I mean, their lineup, if you want to take a look at that, their lineup, of course, we already did it earlier this season. But, I mean, some guys that I'm looking at, Carson Kelly's been hitting the ball well. Uh, Josh Rojas, Nick Ahmed, I mean, they both have not. But, I mean, there's some guys in this lineup that are pretty underrated. Pavin Smith, who I don't know too much about. He's been hitting the ball fine this year. Eduardo Escobar has seven home runs. Uh, I believe that might be tied with Tatis for the most in the league. Um, but, I mean, it's just this lineup, it's not great. It's not awful. But there's just uh, not too many. Too many guys in the lineup that scare you. I mean, Ketel Market Marte's only played six games this year. He's on the IL and will miss this series. Uh, but he just killed us in that first series. Obviously, we wish him the best for his injury and hope he comes back sometime soon. But if we can avoid Ketel Marte this series, that uh, would not I would not complain about that. It's it's okay to acknowledge that it's good for the Potters that Ketel Marte is not going to be in the series. But it also sucks that Ketel Marte is hurt, and you hope that you wish that he was healthy because. At the end of the day, we're, we're human beings before we were Padres fans. Sure. So uh, it, it sucks that Marte's hurt. And he's, he's a really good player. And 2020 ended up proving to be, at least from what it looks like, a fluke season after his really good 2019 season. But yeah, you uh, you kind of hit on it. The, uh, the Diamondbacks bats have gotten a lot better since when they first met the Padres. And that is the big difference. So yeah, I don't think we have anything else to add in terms of this series, other than the fact that it's a two-gamer and uh, the Potters actually have a day off going into it. So maybe the bullpen will be a little bit more effective than what we've seen in the past couple of days. Although the bullpen outside of Nick Ramirez in this game was fantastic. And uh, that that was tough to watch. But I mean, the Potters have a day off. Uh, the Monday is going to be nice and relaxing, not having to worry about the Padres later in the day. But I'll surely miss it not being on my television screen. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, I mean, of course, it's a two-game two series. Even if it's still a series, you can't just ask for a sweep every time. 
if we lose a game, that will be unfortunate, but we could also win both of these and win three in a row going into um, the San Francisco series on Friday, who is hot. Obviously, we want to take it game by game, as we always say, but I just can't wait to be there. I mean, I haven't been – I was at Petco uh, in 2024 game after we clinched, but I was in center field at a restaurant, but I just can't wait to be watching a Potters regular season game for the first time since 2019 in person. So that'll be fun. Of course, we'll be there together, and I just can't wait to see our boys in brown again. So that's going to wrap this episode of Devils Talking Padres. Thank you for tuning in. It was a uh, it was a historic series that the Padres just experienced, uh, winning three out of four against the Dodgers in that in that kind of fashion on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, it was truly remarkable with a six run comeback to cap it off. I can't wait to watch this team going forward and, and continue to talk to you guys about the Padres. So thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed or followed us, depending on where you listen, make sure to do that. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Find me at dmster19. Follow Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000. And with that, we thank you for tuning in and we will come to you with another podcast on either Thursday or Friday because uh, the Padres have another day off on Thursday.